Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. Today we're going to begin looking at Genesis 3, verse 8, and we'll see how far we get into this. But when I had preached this several years ago, I had titled this, Far As the Curse is Found. It just so happened in God's providence that we were in this section around the Christmas time. And of course, uh, you know the Christmas hymn of Isaac Watts, Joy to the World. And uh, that refrain, that, that phrase is found in that hymn. And what we really want to talk about as we get into this now is recall that we have in verses 1 to 7 the explanation of sin entering in the world. And then in the rest of the chapter, we have the consequences, the fallout of that. And we really need to consider the world around us. This is very, very key. Understanding sin is very helpful from an apologetic standpoint. Not only is it key to the gospel, you cannot accurately share the gospel without covering sin. And you can't just do it in a generic way. I mean, they may have questions, the unbelievers... Uh, about sin in a general sense, but it's going to have to get personal, which is why we had the discussion that when sin came into the world, Adam and Eve were representative of the entire human race. There was no one else uh, involved in that because there were no other humans, and so no one was left out. So there is a sense of individual sin and a sense of corporate or federal sin uh, with regard to, to that. And, and then we know that the entire human race is plunged into sin. It became part of our character, who we are born, uh, how we are born, and, and what we are born with is a sin nature. And so we need to understand that not only does it affect us personally, but it has affected the entire world around us. And when we look at the things in the world and the chaos that is there, it is not just something that is random as far as evolution would have us believe or or things like that. In fact, the, the laws of thermodynamics, which we've touched on, those are not just random either. Uh, this whole law of entropy, of degradation, the second law of thermodynamics, this is rooted in the fact that there is sin in the world and there is a theological explanation for why the world is the way that it is. And that's really key because a lot of people look at the world around us and they ask questions. And of course, in a world that from, uh, from our standpoint and, and from the standpoint that I'm sitting in now and looking at the world, it's very much in chaos with the rumors of wars and indeed actual wars going on all around and things are just crazy. There had to be a cause. Well, at its root, there is a grand theological cause and it is indeed the fall of man that has brought all of this about. It was funny, I had read a cartoon. I, I'm a fan of comic strips, uh, always have been from a young age, and even now I still enjoy them. And one of my earliest and most favorite, I've got a few now as I'm older, but when I was a young, young child, I remember reading Garfield, and I just loved Garfield. Go to the public library and 
check out all the Garfield uh, books that they had, including the really early ones when Garfield looked a lot different. Anyway, there's a strip where John comes home and the house is absolutely destroyed. Uh, you know, or today you'd have, you know, some YouTube or TikTok video or something like that of two toddlers being quiet for far too long. And then all of a sudden the, you know, the parents are like, "Uh Oh, what's going on if they've been quiet. And so then they go into the other room and they find out that there is just utter and total destruction being wrought in the house. Uh, and, and so we look around and we see the world in this state of chaos and destruction. The world's in turmoil, earthquakes, volcanoes, fires, famine, floods, tornadoes, tsunamis, war, persecution, hatred, violence, disease, disfiguration. And we say, what happened here? Well, in both the case with Garfield and in the YouTube or TikTok video, we don't say that that happened without cause. There was something to cause that, whether it was Garfield and Odie or whether it was the two toddlers or whatnot, there is a cause behind the destruction and the chaos. Well, similarly, when we look at the world around us, we can explain it theologically. Romans chapter eight does a very good job of that, by the way. And so it's a good introduction into this section in chapter 8, verses 19 to 23, we read, for the creation waits. That's, that's the entire creation, by the way. That's, that's space, too, and it's the earth. It's everything. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so we see here a summary of everything that's going on in creation, not just that we personally observe, but all of creation testifies to the effects of sin. Later on in the same chapter, Romans 8, Paul gives us a list of things that cannot keep us from the love of Christ. But notice the reality of these things, right? It's, it's not just that they can't keep us. We also have to notice uh, the fact that they are a reality in our world. He says this in verse 35 of Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, that exists, Shall distress, that also exists. What about persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? All of those things exist in the world today. You think those things would have existed in a, in a non-fallen world? Well, of course not. He goes on to say, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed. Are people being killed? Of course they are. And in particular, Christians, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither, here they come again, death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so on the one hand, we rightly rejoice that nothing can tear us away from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's wonderful. 
But on the other hand, we look at that list and say, now, wait a second, all those things are present. Yes, they are. And the reason they are is because of what took place in verses 1 to 7 of Genesis chapter 3. So we go to that command that was given to Adam, Eve, uh, given to Adam excuse me, before Eve was created. He was responsible for transmitting the command to her And by the way, right, we discussed this. Why didn't the serpent approach Adam? Well, we kind of touched on this in the last episode, probably because Adam would have immediately recognized uh, that there was something amiss. And we just, we we can't know, okay? We just can't know uh, why those things were permitted other than it was by God's eternal and sovereign decree. And we should take try, uh, take comfort in that. We should be uh, we should be consoled in that that God makes no mistakes and it is okay. He had made a plan and a provision for this from eternity past. So as we move toward the text today, let's make a couple of observations. Number one, in the fall itself, you have the agent involved who is Satan. His action is that of temptation or enticement. Uh, He also deceives. Remember, uh, we have doubt, deception, and and then distortion, outright lying. Uh, But he begins uh, with this doubt and deception. He sows a seed of doubt first, then uh, he distorts God's word, and then there's deception. We we looked at that process. Uh, So that's the agent involved as Satan. Who are the affected subjects? Well, Adam and Eve are both affected subjects. Eve is deceived. Adam is not deceived. He looks at that and says, you know, I'm going to, whatever, I'm going to align myself with my wife that God has given me. And he plunges humanity into sin. And then you have an attempt to hide sin. This is kind of where we left off and we didn't have time because we're running so long. Uh, But in chapter seven, it says both their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. Now, again, you can go back and listen to previous episodes. There was nothing wrong with being naked, but now that sin is in the world, uh, there is a sense of shame and a need for covering. And so they, they recognize that. And by the way, we look at the world around us and, you know, there may be exceptions, but of all of animal creation, humans are the only ones that clothe themselves. And uh, that is that there is a theological reason for that. Why do we wear clothes and no one else? You can't say that feathers are clothes or anything. We're talking about something in addition to how God created us. God created us with skin. Could we live with just our skin? Well, we could, but because of sin and the fall, uh, we don't. We cover ourselves. In fact, God ordains that and he comes to the aid and gives them a better covering. But you see here an attempt to hide this. Not only do they know that they're naked, but it says here that they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, I've heard, and you've probably heard it said as well, that lo- that these loincloths made out of fig leaves would be highly uncomfortable. I mean, this is, this is not suitable for long-term protection, which they're going to get later on, or long-term covering, and it would be very, very uncomfortable. And so man's attempt to cover his sin, A, is going to fail. You can't cover it completely. And our, our uh, temptation is also to make our own provision, which also fails. It's always God's solution that's going to be better. Even when it comes to covering their nakedness, this is not the ultimate and final solution, but covering their nakedness, God does it better. And when it comes to sin, God covers our sin fully and completely in Jesus Christ. We can't cover our own sin. I, I hope that that makes sense. 
All right. Uh, one commentator, Henry Morris, said this. Hastily, they fashioned crude girdles of fig leaves and covered themselves. But of course, such aprons would hardly suffice to hide the guilt of their rebellion against God. Neither will the filthy rags of our self-made righteousness serve to cover our sinful hearts today. That's Isaiah 64, 6. We need the garments of salvation. We need the robe of righteousness, Isaiah 61, 10 with which only God can clothe us. And that's a reference then to later on in this chapter, verse 21. So we see the agent involved, we see the affected subjects, we see the attempt to hide sin in verse 7. Now let's dive into the text here and we see the first effect that, uh, that comes out in the text is that of broken fellowship, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We'll stop right there. Broken fellowship. We have here a pure relationship defiled. The fact that the text says that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day is probably indicative of the fact that even though it had been a short time since creation, that this had become a practice. This was their custom. God had fellowship with his creation directly. They worshiped God. It was not always true that no man could see God and live, like we see uh, uh, Moses being told that by God in Exodus 33, verse 20, nor was it meant to be from the beginning of creation. Now now think about this. Later on, after all has been made right and the, the new heavens and the new earth are made and we're with God in eternity future, we will see him. We will be with him. We shall see him face to face. So there is coming a day when we will see him again face to face. And there was a time before the fall where that was possible. Now in this sin-cursed world, that's not possible that we have been disfellowshipped. Uh, That relationship was actually broken, and then we can come back into a relationship through Christ. Uh, But but the fact of the matter is, is it wasn't always that way, but now we've lived with this for a long time. We long for the day, don't you? I know I do, that we shall see the Savior face to face. So we see this pure relationship defiled, and because of sin, there is an attempt to hide from God. And we see that as well. Not only do they hear him walking in the garden in the cool of the day, but the man and the wife hid themselves. It wasn't enough that they tried to cover their nakedness with their fig leaves. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Not only is the perfect aspect of man's relationship with God defiled, but now man hides himself. Not only can he not behold the glory of the Lord and live, But he doesn't want God, who is absolute perfection, absolute holiness, all truth. He doesn't want God to see him. So it's a two-sided coin. Deep down, I believe that we know that trying to hide from God is futile, yet we still do it. I mean, look at the example of Jonah. That's a very real, tangible example. But men, and, and men, and by when I use that term, I'm talking about mankind, We as a species that God has created, the image bearers of God in creation, apart from Christ and apart from the aid of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, we try to hide ourselves from God. We do anything to distance ourselves from him, to deny him, to pretend that he doesn't exist, to see if we can get out of his all-seeing eye. And of course, that's impossible. 
But we see Jonah trying to do that very thing. God commands him to go to Nineveh, and instead he gets on a ship bound for Tarshish. And of course, you can't hide from God. And he knows that, and he learns the lesson the hard way. But we even have that stated for us explicitly in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take my wings, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So we see here in verse 8, broken fellowship. Well, I think we're going to end right there before we move on because we've got a lot of ground to cover here. But as we leave it here, let's just consider this that we are in a state of broken fellowship. And now for the believer, we have hope because the relationship has been restored through Christ. But we have to remember that our fellowship with him now, because of the reality of sin, that can be broken at any time as a Christian. Uh, Once we are in Christ, uh, all that the Father has given to him, he says, you know, will come to him and none will be able to snatch them out of the Father's hand or Christ's hand. Uh, we understand that. But even though you have entered into a relationship with Christ, you can be disfellowshipped because of your sin. So what this teaches us is not only the serious nature of sin, but the necessity of keeping a short account with God as as believers, we need to be confessing our sins. Go back and read 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 8, 9, and 10 there. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to keep a short account because as we saw Adam and Eve have broken fellowship, we too can have broken fellowship, but we can make that right because God is so eager and willing to forgive us our sins if we just confess it. Let's keep a short account with him and confess our sins. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.